What's up, everybody? I was thinking about something yesterday. Did Mary, Jesus' mother, have any idea of the depth and breadth of what Jesus said to her when he said, look, I make all things new again? Did she realize how far that statement extended? The earth is in shambles upon his return, and in preparation for the kingdom, he made things new again in several ways. One of those ways is the redesign of the landscape, and especially Israel's borders. Have you ever noticed the borders of the land God promised Abraham has never been fully attained by Israel? That's because God was telling them what the borders of Israel would look like or be for their descendants during the millennial kingdom. Let's jump in and look at how God will once again keep his promises and fulfill his covenant. When God made a covenant with Abraham, he promised a certain portion of, of land to Abraham and his descendants. But what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob probably didn't realize is that God was telling them what the borders of Israel would look like in the millennial kingdom. Right now, Israel only occupies a small piece of land along the Mediterranean Sea, and they are surrounded by their enemies, nations that have hated them and oppressed them throughout history. Egypt to the south, Lebanon to the north, Jordan and Syria to the east. This is important, as you will see shortly. So the land that Israel possesses today is only a fraction of what it possessed during the time of King Solomon. At the height of power, Israel's borders extended north well into Syria, all of Lebanon, and the land east of the Jordan River. It also stretched south into Egypt and southern uh, Jordan. Israel has never possessed that much territory since, but even then it was not all the territory that was promised to Abraham and his descendants. You might initially be inclined to think God would give them a land, a piece of land like what they had under King David or King Solomon, but they, uh, but what they had doesn't even come close to what God had promised, you know, Abraham and what they will get. Genesis fifteen eighteen says, um, gives us it gives us the first description, should I say, regarding part of Israel's borders during the kingdom. And it says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. Um, and the river of Egypt is at the historical border of Israel in Egypt uh, on the Sinai Peninsula. But look at how it will extend all the way to the Euphrates River in Iraq today, which is where Babylon uh, was at, if you remember that. So that is farther east than any historical border Israel's ever had. After Moses dies, God reiterates the promise, the promised land or the promised land that Israel would one day occupy. And he even elaborates further on it in uh, Joshua 1.4. It says, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great uh, river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite uh, country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Never has Israel's borders extended this far, but in the kingdom, God will fulfill this promise fully. Their borders will extend north, consuming the desert to Lebanon, all the way east to the Euphrates River, uh, and then south into Egypt and all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. And also they will have all the land of the Hittites, which includes um, lands like Lebanon and Syria and the Levant. Um, and 
also even uh, extended up into Turkey, that the land we know as Turkey today. So that is a massive amount of land that will all be the nation of Israel during the kingdom, just as God promised their forefathers. So why is this important? Because God is a keeper of his word. And the more we see that, uh, the more we find hope in the promises of God that are yet to come. You know, Ezekiel 47, 15 through 20. And then, by the way, if you haven't read Ezekiel, Ezekiel is a dynamic book for this, for studying these things. So Ezekiel 47, 15 through 20 says, uh, it gives, well, should I say, it gives a very detailed description of the borders of Israel during the kingdom. And feel free to look at it, but for time's sake, I will move on. Um, but Ezekiel is definitely a book you want to study regarding uh, this topic. So, Suffice it to say that if you marked these boundaries, it would look far different and greatly exceed anything Israel has ever possessed. What, what is so significant about these new borders is that it fulfills God's promise that they would rule over their captors one day. Israel will possess and rule over all the land and people that once persecuted them throughout history. Moab, Ammon, Edom, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, and others. Um, Isaiah 54, 3 says, For you will spread out abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. No descriptions are given for Gentile nations, but the Bible does indicate that there will be familiar nations that will exist, and many nations will be repopulated with a few exceptions. Edom, which is where Petra was located, if you remember that, will exist but will remain uninhabited and will serve as a reminder of their sin against Israel. It is said uh, to be the entry point to the abyss or pit where Satan will be locked up uh, during that thousand years and and smoke will rise and pour out from this pit and no one will set foot on that land. Egypt will exist but they but they will not be allowed to enter their land for any that are any Egyptians that are left, they will not be allowed to enter their land for the first 40 years of the millennial kingdom. And this is to serve as a reminder that they caused Israel to stumble with idols, which led it to Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years. And check out Ezekiel 29 for more complete details. But uh, Ezekiel 29.11 says, the, f- the foot of neither man nor beast will pass through it. No one will live there for 40 years. That definitely is no coincidence that it is the same amount of time that Israel spent wandering in the desert. So now let's look uh, at some changes to the landscape. Micah 4.1 says, And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. This mountain will be the center of the kingdom where the temple sits, which we will discuss more in future episodes. But it will rise above all others and will be the chief mountain or most important mountain because it is where the temple will be. Um, you know, people from all over the world will flock to it. Zechariah 14.8 tells us that two rivers will flow from Mount Zion where the temple sits. One will flow to the east into the Dead Sea and one will flow to the west into the Mediterranean Sea. Verse 9 reminds us that Jesus alone will be king over all the earth. 
Others will be given charge over nations, but he will be the king over all, and they will follow his rules uh, and govern under him uh, perfectly according to his law. Verse 10 says that the land south of Jerusalem will be changed into a flat plain, which we will discuss its purpose later. But Jerusalem will rise up and stay in its place, and people will live there in security because the curse has been removed. So out of Jerusalem, from under the temple, two rivers will flow out. And Ezekiel gives a detailed description of what he has shown regarding the millennial uh, kingdom uh, and these rivers, these waters that flow out from under the temple or f- come forth from, from Zion, which, again, is where the temple will be. So uh, Ezekiel 47, 7-12 says, When I arrived there, and this is what Ezekiel is being shown, it says, When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, talking about the angel that was showing him this, He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Jordan Valley where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. That's important. Fishermen will stand along the shore, and there will be places, you know, for them to spread their nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will uh, be left for salt. Uh, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. I had to read all of that because it paints a detailed picture with some powerful truths. Jesus talked about living water to the woman at the well, but here we see that the the water that flows from under the temple from from him basically um the water that flows from the temple will will truly be living water and wherever it flows everything will live all manner of life will swarm to this river because because of it the fact that this life that this river of life flows out from the temple shows us that Jesus is the source of life this water will even flow into the dead sea making it making the Dead Sea turn into fresh water where things can actually live there. And it will result with, you know, it will be, will be teeming with life, you know, uh, which what was once dead will now be alive. So the trees that grow along this river and draw upon its water will produce all kinds of fruit, and that fruit will never fail. It will not rot and will always be ripe, and the leaves will never wither and will be used for healing. There won't be any sickness or disease. Maybe this is one of the reasons why. Maybe not. Or maybe it's just, you know, for injuries or something. But either way, um, it's pretty awesome to think about. Here we see a beautiful picture, though, of of the believer in a sense. Everything that draws upon the living water will live. And the trees uh, that draw upon that water will produce fruit. And that fruit will never fail, meaning they're perfect. And their leaves will bring healing. You know, it's cool to think about that we are like 
you know, those trees in a sense, when we draw upon the living water of Jesus, we will never fail to produce, to produce fruit. And that fruit will never fail to accomplish its purpose. Not only will we produce fruit, but we will bring healing through the word of God and the love of Christ. Just something to think about. Okay, back to Zechariah. Zechariah tells us that these waters will flow in summer and in winter. So there will be seasons and a sort of rhythm to life um, that may seem familiar. Finally, we see that on top of this mountain in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem sits the temple and the seat of power for the entire kingdom, which is the throne of Jesus. Micah 4.2 says, Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of, of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It even goes on to say that he will judge between many peoples far and wide. Many will flock to be in his presence and learn from the source of all life. But Micah shows us that Jesus will govern the world from Jerusalem and the laws of the kingdom will come out of the temple from Jesus and will be sent throughout the earth to govern the nations. The fact that he will judge between many people shows that sin is present and the world will need Christ's perfect judgment to ensure proper behavior. It also shows that even from the other side of the world, he will be able to rule with such perfection that he can control sin no matter where it is at. Isaiah 65:24 says, It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are still speaking, I will hear. Jesus will be aware at all times of what's going on, and those governing under his authority will know his will immediately and will follow his word to the letter. So even though sin will exist, it will not impact life in a great way because it will never be given room to grow under the perfect rule of Christ. In the government of the millennial kingdom, Jesus will establish and assign rulers and judges to govern the nations throughout the world according to his rule of law. The government will be divided into a Jewish governing body and a Gentile governing body. Israel, the nation that saw so many rule over it, will now rule over the other nations. Uh, a rule over other nations and the beloved king david king david will, will return as their prince because of course christ will be the only king but david will be their prince and rule over them personally and be their shepherd jeremiah 30 verse 9 says but they shall serve the lord their god and david their king whom i will raise up for them Ezekiel 34, 23-4 says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be their prince, or be the prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So David will govern Israel under the authority of King Jesus. And the twelve disciples, we are told, will sit as judges over the twelve tribes of Israel. Matthew 19.28 says, And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that you have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. You shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now the Gentile nations spread out throughout the world will be governed by the church, the, the church saints, that is, you and I, for example. As John told us in Revelation 20 that the church saints would reign with him for a thousand years. 
for you know our role in this governing process will depend on how we are rewarded according to our deeds as a believer which Christ will judge at the at what is known as the judgment seat of Christ just prior to the start of the kingdom one thing is clear Israel will be the nation set above all other nations this is the role God intended for them, but they broke his covenant and never was able to attain this position. Instead, they were punished and ruled over throughout much of their history. But in the end, God will restore them and set them above all others. Now, the fact that there is going to be an ever-growing amount of people spread throughout the world and the fact that this government will be large indicates that there will be disobedience and sin. Thus, there will be a need for judges and rulers um, to keep sin under control under the reign of Christ. So how does that work? How and why will sin exist in this kingdom? Join me next time as we look at the nature of the citizens of this kingdom. For you know, And for that, we will learn from the prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah, for example. So tune in next time as we continue our study of Revelation and what we're in right now, which is the Millennial Kingdom. God, you are so awesome, and thank you for being a keeper of your word. We are so blessed, and your word says that one day we will reign with you, and that we should aspire to please you and and persevere to attain the prize for which we are called heavenward. God, I will be happy to be over a little town with a handful of people, if you see fit, but I will work hard to please you so that I may attain to the highest reward that is possible for me. Whatever that may be, I will be grateful, and I will know that, and I will know that um, whatever I get is just and and deserving because you are a just God and your judgments are true. I pray, Lord, that you will show us your ways and teach us how to walk in them. Open our eyes and hearts to the opportunities that you have prepared for us, opportunities to do your will and and further the work of the gospel. I pray for the lost those looking for the truth. Let your church rise up and be the place, be the people of hope where those searching can find the truth they seek, the truth of the saving grace of Jesus. Amen.